Um, as JT was saying, we're going to be kicking off a new series today, and this series is called uh, The Invisible War, and uh, this is going to be a, uh, a six-week series where we're going to be looking at uh, spiritual warfare, and I know, uh, there you go, ding, uh, The Invisible War. So, um, I know when you hear those words, spiritual warfare, for, for many of you, you know, that's a familiar, uh, those are familiar words, a familiar concept in your mind. You hear it, and your mind starts going places right away. And I know for some, you may go, hey, what, what does that mean? And let me give us uh, uh, just a real simple definition as we get started here today. Um, again, this is a simple definition. Spiritual warfare is a cosmic battle between God and a fallen angel named Satan. Satan and his demons, other fallen angels, are fighting to oppose God and everything he loves, which includes us. And again, that's a very simple definition just to get us headed in a direction. Uh, all through this series, we're going to be breaking that down and going deeper in different sections. And, and uh, let me say this, as we get into this series, we'll use the name the devil, Satan, the enemy, uh, all for the same person. So just, uh, actually next weekend, Andrew's gonna be looking at more just the character of the enemy, and so he'll get into more names, but just to give some, uh, some clarity there. But again, the title of this series is Invisible War, and it's called The Invisible War because spiritual warfare, spiritual battle, is a spiritual battle. And it's not obvious. And uh, we don't see it most times. We don't see it, but we feel it. And we're, we're, our lives are impacted by it. You watch the news. You look at the headlines and you see people doing horrific things to other people. And something inside you goes, what is that? What is that? Or, you know, or within your own life, there's, there's uh, relational tension and there's just no reason why. I mean, you got this friction all of a sudden with your neighbor or within your home, there's friction and you're like, what's going on? Like, what, why is everyone on edge? Or maybe it's even more personal where... Uh, uh, you know, whether it's thoughts or pictures and things you don't want anyone else to know, whether it's temptations towards, you know, towards certain things, towards lust, pictures going through your mind like, where did that come from? Or anger or revenge or, you know, or, or whatever it would be. Or maybe it's, maybe it's uh, like condemnation. Again, thoughts, whispers, that, that just voices that you're hearing that you're stupid and you will never, you know, fill in the blank condemnation, emotions, waves that suddenly hit you of anxiety and you're just anxious or there's just this sense of dread comes over you or there's a, you know, fear or, or depression or, you know, all these different things. It's an invisible war. This is a spiritual uh, a battle that we're in and, and it's not just something for us to be aware of. As Christians, we've actually been invited into, called into this battle to participate in this battle. And I, you know, I was raised in the church and uh, I'd, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I heard about spiritual warfare somewhere along the line, but I would say I knew very little about it. And I, when I was 18 or 19, uh, I went to a school in Los Angeles. It's called YWAM, Youth of the Mission. It's, they have, they have uh, uh, discipleship schools all around the world, real cool. And when we went down there on weekends at this school, we would go out and do uh, street evangelism. We'd go into Hollywood and stuff. We would, do, we would hand out tracks, which gives you a sense. This is back in the 80s. You'd hand the person a track, and they'd walk by and drop it. And we were, you know, we were doing kingdom work. But uh, um, we would do street dramas. We would, and, and this one evening when we were down there, we were somewhere in Hollywood, and we were about, I don't know, eight or ten of us. We were in a circle on a, on a sidewalk, big sidewalk, and we were worshiping on the street. And we were right out front of an adult bookstore. And from where I could stand, I was standing here, I could see the, the doorway to this bookstore. And we're singing away, and, and uh, uh, a bunch of teenagers. And all of a sudden, the door burst open, and these two men came charging out of that adult bookstore. One of them was this great big guy, and he was bearing down at this, at this smaller man. And I remember looking at that thinking, whew, there's going to be a fight. I mean, it was just, it was obvious that this big guy was going to do damage. And, uh, and there was a guy in our group that was part of our group that, and this is not nice, this is not very kind of me, but my opinion of this man was he was a nerdy Christian. And I don't know what comes to mind. Maybe I come to your mind, uh, which is really hurtful. That's hurtful. But, but in my mind, I saw this guy as a nerdy Christian. So, you know, these men, are, they're walking by us or, or, you know, almost running by us. And this nerdy Christian steps out from our group and points up at this big man. And he goes, in Jesus' name, I bind a spirit of violence. 
And this big guy, it was like he hit a wall. Poof, he just stopped. And he looked at this nerdy Christian, and he said, whoa, man, man, it's okay, it's okay. And he walked away while the other little guy kept running. And then, and then the nerdy Christian stepped back and just continued singing. <clears throat> and, I'm, and I am standing there going, okay, what just happened? Like I saw it, it was right there. And, and then I thought, maybe nerdy Christian is not so nerdy after all. Maybe I need to get to know this guy. But I know in my life, this uh, just ignited a desire to learn more about spiritual warfare and to un- get a better understanding of what just what just happened there? And, and so in this series, the goal of this series, again, it's going to be six weeks. As a church, we want to grow in our understanding of what spiritual warfare is. We want to uh, grow in our awareness. We want to be able to see it uh, in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. And, and we really want to grow and learn how to deal with it when, when we do see it. And uh, let, me, uh, uh, let me also say this as we're getting going here. The goal of this series is not to glorify demons. And here's what I mean by that. I've sat in series on on spiritual warfare, talks on spiritual warfare, where I feel like they spend more time telling horror stories and just really glorifying the enemy and the yuck that he does. So we are not gonna glorify demons, but we are gonna glorify Jesus. Because of the cross and his victory over the enemy, as we embark on this series, we're, we're on the winning team. It's like, it says this in your notes, that we, we're not fighting for victory in this battle, we're fighting from victory. That's an important thing to remember as we get into this series, we are on the winning team. And so we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid. And God wants to teach us and, and lift us out of that fear and, and, and so that we would stand in our, the authority that we've been given. So I'm getting into my sermon already. So let's stop there, let's pray, and, and then uh, we'll jump in. So Lord, uh, I've been excited about this series for a long time, because I, I, I believe, I know it's something you want to teach us and grow us in. Lord, we have, as, you, as followers of Jesus, we've been invited uh, to participate with you in this battle. And I thank you for everybody in this room, and I pray right now just peace, uh, and, and, and like JT was saying this morning, that your love would just wrap us up as we go through this series that your love, just that your presence would be strong. Just come and teach us. Uh, we welcome you here in Jesus' name, amen. All right, <clears throat> so we're gonna jump right in. Uh, scriptures are gonna be on the screens. I'm gonna be you know, uh, moving around a bit. If you need a Bible, we have them at the front or at the back. Uh, feel free to take one. But uh, again, number one in your notes is the battle is real. The battle is real. Uh, To understand about the battle, we need to go all the way back to the beginning, really when it started. And that means going back to uh, Genesis, the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible. And just to set the context in Genesis 1 and 2, God is uh, out of nothing creating everything, being God. And uh, uh, he's creating, you know, the planets and, uh, and, and stars and everything. He's creating animals and the ground and the water and the air. He's, he's creating all the mountains and trees and plants, etc. Fresh water, salt water, ice. He's creating hockey. Woohoo! He's, uh, and of course, he's creating uh, the first humans, the first man, the first woman, uh, Adam and Eve and and as we get to the end of, uh, near the end of chapter two of Genesis, uh, God warns Adam. And, and basically he says, hey, I'm, it's, gr- you know, it's great to see you guys are enjoying this garden. I just want, there's just one thing I, I, that I wanna, uh, one rule really that I have for you. In this garden, there is a tree in the middle of the garden called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, you can eat the fruit of any tree in this garden, but that one tree is a no-no. You can't eat the fruit of that one tree, all right? And here's where we see just how human Adam and Eve are, and, and that they had, just like us, they have free will. Because if, uh, being a human myself, I guarantee that after that conversation with God, the one thing that was on their mind for, from then on was, hey, what do you think is up with that tree? And being human, I'm sure they, they kept moving closer and closer to the center of the garden. They wanted to check it out, and... and uh, uh, and, and, and that's where we, uh, we don't know how much time there is between when God spoke to Adam and to when we get to, our, to the, where the story really goes crazy here. But, uh, but Genesis 3, 
And we're gonna start with verse one. In your Bible, this is, it probably says the fall, but here's what it says. Genesis three, verse one. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. <clears throat> he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that, it, that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Hmm. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. <clears throat> Stop there. So, uh, just <clears throat> a little bit uh, from, from the introduction. We need to remember that Satan is a fallen angel. And why I say that is when we talk about you know, this battle, this spiritual battle that's going on, it's not like God and Satan are, are, are equals. They are not equals. Satan is a fallen angel. He was created by God. Right? He has power, but, it, but it, is, it, is, it is no comparison to the power of God. And, and what caused Satan to fall and, and the belief is, and there's so many different, but, but what we see in the Bible is that Satan was cast down from heaven to earth and, and, and that he took a third of the angels with him. They followed him. They, you know, they, they were also punished and sent to earth. And, and what caused him to fall was, uh, was the pride of his heart. And we won't get into this text, but if you're a note taker, uh, just write down Isaiah 14, verses 12 to 15. You can read that later, but basically to sum that up, it sums up the attitude of Satan's heart. Basically, he's looking at God saying, I want to be God too. I don't want him to be the boss of me. I want to be the boss of me. And what we see going on in, in Genesis 3 is, is Satan is working hard to deceive, to trick, to, to you know, twist the truth, twist what God said, to, to basically try to lead Adam and Eve to follow him in his rebellion against God. And uh, um, what we see in this is that after he does that and, 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 he, and he, he accomplishes what he set out to do, he tricks Adam and Eve into disobeying the, the one rule that God had given them, and then God comes and he confronts them. And this is what he says to the devil in verse 14. Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, the word enmity means this. It's a feeling or condition of hostility, hatred, ill will, animosity, antagonism. It's the battle. God is saying, because of what has just happened now, the battle is on between Satan and, and Eve and her offspring. The battle is on. And, and this is so important when we look at Genesis 3, it's such an important part of the Bible because it's like a preface to the rest of the Bible. And, and what I mean by that is it's establishing the tone of the rest of the Bible or it explains a lot of the rest of the Bible. Because what we see is uh, Adam and Eve have, have sinned, they've rebelled against God, and what we see all throughout the rest of the Old and New Testament are the consequences to man's sin. We see just all the brokenness and all the mess of of, the, of us rebelling against God. But what it also shows, when we get to this in our third point, but what it also shows in chapter three is it also sets up the tone for, for uh, God's plan to fix all that and to rescue you and I from this battle and to, and to heal us up from all, the, from all the brokenness. But it's important when we talk about in this first point that the battle is real, it's so important that we don't see this story here that we, you know, in Genesis 3, that we don't see it like as this isolated historical incident. And, and what I mean by that is this. When I say that the battle is real, what Satan was doing, the deception, the, the twisting of the truth, the, all the trickery, what he was doing uh, in Genesis 3, he has been doing now for generation after generation after generation, and he continues today doing the same, the, the same battle is going on in your life and in my life. And it's really a battle of allegiance. Who are you gonna bow down to? And he is working hard you know, in, in the hearts of human beings because he wants us to follow him in his, his rebellion and, and just to bow to ourselves, or you know, in his case, uh, bowing to him, as opposed to 
bowing to God and submitting, uh, submitting to him. And uh, this battle is so real, it's so real that when Peter, and, uh, one of the disciples, Peter, when he wrote a letter to one of the churches, he said this to them. This is how real the battle is. First Peter 5, verse 8. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. This battle is real. It's very real. But now here's a good question. Uh, uh, If it's so real, if if there's this cosmic spiritual battle going on, if it is so real, then why isn't it more obvious? Right, if, if right now there are like X-Men-like people, and again, not equals, but you know, and I don't know my X-Men, so I would mess this up, but there's like, you know, the really good guy in the, you know, like Aquaman, you know, what does Aquaman do? I don't know. But, but, so there, but there's a battle going on. So if, if there's a battle going on, and especially if it's over your heart and my heart, like shouldn't it be more obvious? Shouldn't we, I mean, uh, you know, how is, it, how is it possible that we're missing this battle? Well, that leads to number two. The battle is real. Number two is this. The battle is subtle. The battle is subtle. This is a very real battle, but the enemy is smart. He attacks in ways that are not obvious. It's like he, he doesn't... Uh, uh, or, or Paul was addressing this. In 2 Corinthians, there's a, Paul is writing a letter to the church there in Corinth and they have these false prophets and false teachers coming and these, you know, these false teachers are coming into the church and they're twisting the truth and, and causing a lot of trouble. And, and in addressing that, in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, Paul, he basically says this. He says, what these false prophets are doing, they're, they're really, they're, they're following their leader. They're doing just what Satan would do and in the verses, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Right? This battle is subtle. I mean, I mean, Satan doesn't come knock on your door tomorrow morning in a red suit, you know, with a, a tail and a pitchfork, and you open the door and say, hey, yeah, yeah, you know, I've got a plan for your life. And you're like slamming the door, get lost, Satan. And he walks away like, man, this is just not working. Right? He's not that obvious. He's smart. And what he does is he comes in ways. He attacks in ways where uh, our first thought in the attack is not towards him, right? Where, we, where, where our first thought isn't, hey, I think, I think we're under attack right now. Like, it, it's like, uh, here's another thing to remember. Uh, Satan, uh, he can't read our thoughts. He can't read, he has power, but his power is limited. So he can't read our thoughts. He doesn't know our future. But you know what Satan and his minions, the, the, all these demons, you know what they, they do? Is they study us and they watch us. And they're just like, and I don't, I'm not making a connection here, but they're just like Amazon. And again, I'm a big Amazon fan. That sounds weird. But what I mean is, uh, Amazon tracks you. When you go online, I'm looking for a kayak. Like, don't you notice that? When you, you, know, you search for a kayak, suddenly everywhere you go on the computer, want to buy a kayak? You know, there's pictures of people with kayaks. You're like, wow. It's like they know me. Yes, it's like they do know you. And demons are the same. They watch us. They watch our habits. They watch, they watch our responses to life situations. They watch for our hidden sins. They watch for the things that we keep in the dark. And, what, and, and, and so in this subtle attack, what, what the enemy does is he plays off what he knows of us. And so when he attacks, instead of recognizing his attack and addressing it, because it's subtle, we entertain it, right? We don't address it. We don't see it for what it is, and no, I'm not buying this, because it's, it's connected to something. There's already a desire there, because he's been watching. And so instead of, again, instead of addressing, we entertain it. So he, you know, he starts uh, whispering some temptation. And instead of taking captive and dealing with it, it's all you can think about, and you start planning, like, man, how, and I'm not just saying sinful things, or, you know, well, I guess it would be sinful things, otherwise it wouldn't be a temptation, but, but uh, we start figuring out how we're going to make that happen, or if he comes condemning and starts whispering, like, just what a loser you are, or whatever it is, that you, instead of addressing it, you entertain it, you take it to heart, and you start beating yourself up, 
right? Or maybe if he's trying to get, he's trying to wedge between you and your spouse, or wedge between you and a friend, or he's trying to drive a wedge, and he, again, he, you know, he, he, he has this subtle, this, this words, and he, and he, and he, and he says these things or does these things, and you start looking at the person in a different way, and you start questioning, you know, all that they do, etc. Right? I mean, it's 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 a subtle attack. This battle, it's a, it's a battle of whispers and nudges. And is it any wonder that many scriptures that, that we'll be looking at and that train us in warfare have to do with our thought life? It's like the battlefield of the mind. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, he's smart, he's subtle. He is so good at, he whispers, he nudges at just the right time right when that emotion is flaring up in you, right when that embarrassment is starting to wash over you, right when you are just a little bit off balance, he leans in and he says, she always does that. And you're like, yeah. Or he never listens. Or, or you know, you're w- with a group of people and what did they mean by that? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like, or with God. I mean, this is where he works overtime, where something happens in your life and you're just off balance and he whispers, huh, and God loves you? Hey, and he's all powerful? Phew, that, that doesn't look like all powerful, all in control to me. You know what? Um, uh, Helen and I have been through a fair amount of marriage counseling, my wife Helen, uh, um, and we've had, you know, just sit down with a counselor. We've done group Marriage counseling, it's a little cheaper, and maybe that's why we've had a lot of marriage counseling is, hey, Walmart's got marriage counseling, honey. Let's go check it out. But uh, um, I can remember one time being in a, in a session, in a group session, which actually was kind of fun, but, uh, um, and, and we did something that was so, it seemed so simple, but it was so helpful for us. And, and again, the enemy is the great wedge driver, and he's trying to, you know, do this to our marriage and relationships. And, 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 we, and what we did in this, in this course is we, uh, we sat down facing each other as couples. We held hands, and we looked into each other's eyes, and we took turns saying, you're not my enemy. And then Helen would look at me and say, and you're not my enemy. See, our battle is not against flesh and blood. The enemy is the enemy. The enemy is the great wedge driver. He's the twister of the truth. And let me uh, add this, uh, or say this at this point. If you're not reading your Bible on a consistent basis, how are you gonna know when the enemy is lying to you about the character of God? How are you going to know when the enemy is lying to you about the plans of God? How are you going to know when he's lying to you about who you are and how God sees you? And don't, no, don't, that's not a guilt thing. That's just a, as we're getting into spiritual warfare, one of the things we need to grow in is we need to grow in our, and in, in we need to know the truth. Because that's how you spot the lie, is you know the truth. And just uh, uh, as a little, little, uh, uh, FYI, we have Bible reading plans on the info counter. If you're like, well, I don't know where to start, grab one of those Bible reading plans and jump in. It, it walks you through it. But, but it's important for us to know the truth because, again, the battle is subtle. It's like guerrilla warfare. I mean, you look at Hollywood. I was thinking, I'm sure you've seen movies, and I know I've seen movies where there's warfare, there's you know, demonic things in movies, and Hollywood presents spiritual warfare like a freak show. It's just a total freak show. And here's, here's the thing. Think about it. If, if the battle took place, if this spiritual battle that's going on, if it took place the way it does in the movies, if that's what it was really like, uh, then we wouldn't have to teach on it. And, and what I mean is this. If it was that obvious, we would all be Navy Christian SEALs, Christian Navy SEALs. Right, because it's like if it's that obvious, we would be, I mean, it's like, it's like if you lived in one of the war-torn cities in, in Syria right now, where, where war, it's, there's war. I mean, if you live there now, you wouldn't need to be told that, hey, do you know that there's a battle going on? It's like, you think? Half my house is destroyed. And the ground shakes every 20 minutes when bombs are going off. And I can smell all the burning. I mean, if it was that obvious, uh, uh, we would be like constantly on alert. We would be looking for it. 
But it's not that obvious, and we are not constantly on alert. In fact, for many of us, I would say uh, it's rarely even on our grid. Right? We, it's, it's rare that we would look at what's going on in our lives or you know, within our family or your finances or your health or whatever it is. I think it's rare that we go to God and say, hey, like the whole family's been sick for two months. God, is, are we under attack? Is the enemy working in this or our finances or whatever it is? I think it's rare that we do that. And I think one of the reasons that it's not in our grid is because of our worldview. It's because, really, or more specifically, it's because of our Western worldview. Take a look at this. Uh, look at that. This is a picture of, of you see there, the modern worldview. This is like the, the classic Western worldview, how we see life. You've got two tiers. You've got the up above is where you have the heavens, uh, the supernatural. That's where God and angels and demons, that's where they're hanging out. And it's, and it's seen more, it's understood through, more through the eyes of religion and faith. And then you have a gap there. And then below it, you have where we live, the material universe, where it's, where it's the natural, right? You can see that, humans, plants, etc. cetera. And, and, and the natural is understood more through science and through experience. We live, typically as Westerns, we live in a two-tier world. But, but as you can see there, the excluded middle zone, there's a third tier. There's a third tier where the supernatural and the natural interact. See, in the West, there's like a gap between them. That's going on up there, and we're sort of doing our thing down here. But, but the third tier is where they interact. So in the Western mindset, that third tier is not really on our radar. But uh, uh, in many other countries, my, my parents were missionaries in Papua New Guinea, and my brother and my sister, we were there for two years. And that third tier, that place where the supernatural and the natural interact, that was normal there. That, that was just normal. Within the culture there, it was just assumed and expected to, to have interaction with angels. Like they would see angels all the time, and they would see demons all the time. You know, every village had their healer. Their, they would call, we would call them a witch doctor who was doing some crazy things. But see, because they had an awareness to that third tier, they looked for it. They were aware. They knew that there was that the supernatural and natural. There was, a, there was interaction going on. But again, in the West, we, we don't see it that way or we struggle to see it that way. And really, that's one of the, one of the works of the, enemies, of the enemy is he wants to keep us totally clueless to that third tier. Or, or, or either totally clueless or he wants to push you across the street into the other ditch and make you totally obsessed with the supernatural. Uh, if you're looking for a good book to read on spiritual warfare, let me recommend uh, C.S. Lewis's uh, book, The Screwtape Letters. It's a real cool book. Uh, here's a quote from the preface. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. See, part of why we're doing this series is, I believe, because God wants to teach us how to avoid those extremes and how to walk down the middle of that road and really uh, how to follow the example of Jesus. Because when you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you look at the example of Jesus and just how he interacted with people and how he interacted with, the, with angels and demons and all that. If you, you know, think of the stories that we see in those books. What we see in the life of Jesus, what we see in the example of Jesus was that he certainly did not live his life clueless to the, the, spiritual, you know, the, the spiritual war. But he also wasn't, didn't live in this, like this hyper-spirituality. Like you never see Jesus. You never see this in, in, in the Gospels. You never see him walk into a room like this or into a village or you know, all the different places you would go. <clears throat> you never see him come into a room and go, all right, in the name of me, I command all dark forces to show themselves. Right? Blah. He never does that, does he? And really, the, uh, the example of Jesus is this, and we quote this verse over and over and over. John 5, 19. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus said, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. See, the example of Jesus and that, 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 that uh, rule that really governed the way he lived his life totally sets up our, our final point. Number one, the battle is real, the battle is subtle. Number three, the battle is the Lord's. 
It's the Lord's battle. And what we see in the life of Jesus is he is following his father's lead. So when Jesus would come into a room, think of the stories. Think of the story when he's in the synagogue and Jesus comes walking in and he talks for a little bit and all of a sudden as he's talking, this man, remember? Ah, this man jumps up and starts, ah, Jesus, what are you doing here? And he starts yelling. And, and when Jesus saw that, here's what Jesus was thinking. And I think I can, you know, I'm reading into it a little bit, but I think this is accurate. Jesus would have looked at that man and thought, hey, here's what the father is doing. The Father has brought me here as his representative. He has brought me here to bring the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light, and to drive out of this man the kingdom of darkness and all the the destructive work of the enemy that this man or this woman would be set free from the oppression and power of of the devil and be brought into relationship with their Father who loves them and knows them. But that's the way he would see it. Oh, this is what the Father's doing. Does that make sense? Because that is so important. That's so important because you and I have been invited to do uh, and are called to do the exact same thing as what Jesus did. And, you know, you you may be here today thinking, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, you know what? Uh, I hear what you're saying, but when it comes to Christianity, I like the warm, fuzzy stuff. Like, I like the potlucks. And I like worship. And I like the healing stuff. Let's go back to talking more about the love of Jesus and on and on. Well, let, right? But this spiritual warfare, let's save that, that pastors can do that. Or small group leaders can do that. Or, you know, you fill in the blank can do that. But that's not for me. Well, let me tell you, that's not accurate. Spiritual warfare, what we've been called to do, this is not an option. Right? When you say yes to God, when you, when you join Team Jesus... Uh, you put that Jesus, you know, Team Jesus jersey on. On Team Jesus, there is no bench. There's no bench. We're all on the field. Now, a lot of people plop down on the field, but, but we're all on the field. And, and see, God's plan for you, when you say yes to Jesus, uh, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to know you, Jesus. A big part of that is, and I, wanna ch- I want you to change me, Jesus. Rescue me. I mean, so many times it's the brokenness in our lives that opens our eyes to, I need a savior. I need a rescuer. But in in giving your life to Jesus, understand that his plan for you and for me is he does want to change you, but he's not just making you into a better you. He wants to make you like Jesus. He He wants you to increasingly in your life talk more like Jesus, act more like Jesus, do exactly what Jesus did. And that's what we see, that you know, this rescuing work, this, this whole thing of, of spiritual warfare. But we need to remember that the battle is the Lord's. So what does that mean? Okay, Genesis 3, I said earlier that it, it, you know, it sets the tone for the rest of the, of the Bible, the consequences. We see the consequences played out and all the mess. But it also sets the stage for God's plan to fix all that. And to rescue us all. So let me read it again. Genesis 3.15 says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Who do you think he is? Jesus, you're nervous. You're right, it's Jesus. This verse is, is prophetically pointing down the road to, you know what's gonna fix all this? Jesus is gonna fix all this. And if you, again, if you're a note taker, this, this Genesis 3.15 is, is called the protoevangelism. Protoevangelism, and it means the first gospel. In just this total like, oh no, they've blown it. Sin has poisoned the world. At that very moment where sin is, you know, has, has, the poison is taking, taking, you know, coming into humanity, God steps up and goes, I got this covered. I've got a plan to fix all this. I've got good news for, for, uh, for humanity. And, and basically what's going on in, in, in verse 15, when we look at what God said to Satan, basically he's saying, okay, Satan, the battle is on. And yes, you will strike the heel of Jesus on the cross. And when he's hanging on the cross, you're gonna look at Jesus and you're gonna think that you've triumphed. But let me tell you, Satan, here's my plan. When he rises from the ga- grave, he is going to crush your head. And I like, I like those odds. Would you rather get your head crushed or your heel struck? I like the crush. Well, you know what I'm saying. That's getting a little violent there. Oh, boy. But again, we're on the winning team. Right? And we'll talk more about this, but, the, but, this, but on the cross, 
The, the, the enemy was disarmed. Now, you know, and, and, and really, and, and, and again, we'll talk more about this, but you and I now have been deputized. We get to, with Jesus, be part of this, this cleanup work between now and when Jesus returns. And again, we've been deputized by him. It's his power. It's his authority that we use. It's, it's his victory that we live from. It's the battle is the Lord's. And there's a story in Luke, where Jesus, he's been hanging with all his disciples and, and uh, all these different you know, people that have been following him around and they've been watching him and learning from him. And Jesus, he says, hey, you guys, basically, uh, why don't you guys go ahead of me, all these little towns, and just go do what I did. Go do what you've seen me do. And so off they go. And here's how they respond after, you know, when they come back from that. Luke 10, 17 says, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And and again, they come back, they go out and they do it, and they just, they're like, their minds are blown. This is amazing. It actually worked. I mean, we did what we saw Jesus do. You know, when, when we would speak against these demons in his name, they would just go running. And it's the same for us. The, in a sense, the badge that we flash, our authority badge, is the name of Jesus. And I don't mean like abracadabra, it's a magic word. What I mean by that is when we call on the name of Jesus, we are calling on the king of all kings, the one who has, has crushed the head of the enemy, the one who loves and wants to rescue all of mankind, the one that, it's, it's really a sign of calling on him as a sign of allegiance. We're with him. And we're not here on our authority, we're here on his authority. And and then as, you know, as, as Jesus is responding to their excitement, he says, hey, I know you love that authority and it's, it's, pretty, it's awesome to see power and all these things, but he said, uh, but he, said uh, he reminds them of this, of, but don't forget where your authority comes from. Right? We don't have authority as Christians because, well, I've been walking with Jesus for 10 years, so I have level four authority. Right? It's not like we, <laughs> that was a good response. It's not like we, uh, it's not like you level up as Christians. What Jesus is saying to them in, in all their excitement, he's saying, your authority comes from relationship. Our authority comes from us holding on to him, saying, we're with him. We're with him, the, the champion, the victor, the conqueror of all, you know, anything the enemy could do has been, has been beat by Jesus. We're with him. And so basically he says, yet be thankful for the power and the authority flowing through you, but rejoice in, celebrate that you have been adopted into the family of God. And everything you do in this life, whatever we do, whether it, uh, spiritual warfare, casting out demons, everything we do in this life, remember, is live from that place of I'm his son. I'm his daughter. It's live from that place of relationship. And that's why, that's why, you know, as we get into spiritual warfare, what I love about this is he's not going, now get out there and do spiritual warfare, right? He's, he's standing at the door every morning with his hand out to you and I saying, hey, son, Hey, daughter, you want to come with me today? Let's go. You want to have an adventure today? You want to come? I'll show you what I'm doing today. You know, one of my fears when we talk about spiritual warfare, I was always afraid that I, you know, I would be praying for someone and a, a demon would manifest, right? And that I wouldn't have what it takes to deal with it. That's, that's a fear I've always had. And that when I would go, in the name of Jesus, it would just be blanks. Oh, man, right? That was my fear. And, and I remember years ago, uh, when I was still down at Vineyard Columbus, uh, uh, you know, this, this guy called me up, wanted to get together. He's just going through a really hard time. And, uh, and I said, well, let's meet. And so he came and, and we were sitting in my office and talking and he was just pouring all this stuff out and he was in a real hard place and just his life, just, it was a mess. And I'm sitting there thinking, I have no idea what to say to this guy. And so uh, I said, well, hey, can I pray for you? And he said, sure. And so I, you know, we're sitting there and I put my hand on his shoulder and I started to pray. And all of a sudden, this guy just fell out of his chair and went poof and did a face plant on, on the, you know, in my office. And I'm looking at him and all of a sudden he starts making weird noises and then he starts cussing and then he starts just saying what a loser I am and what an idiot I am. 
And I'm looking at that and I'm going, oh no, <laughs> oh no, here we go. My fear is upon me. And I'm looking at that and, and here's what I love about God and his commitment. You know, Matthew 28, he's sending us out to make disciples all around the world and he says, and I will always be with you. It's relationship. And as I'm sitting there looking at this guy and listening to all this, I felt like the Holy Spirit just put his arm around my shoulder and said, uh, let me talk you through this. Now, and, and it literally, it was, it was that clear. And he said, now, just invite me, like the Holy Spirit. And so I just said, come, Holy Spirit. Light of the world, come shine your light into this dark place. And then I prayed for a bit, and then I, I, I just had this sense that the Lord said, the Lord said, now worship, worship over him. And I just started to sing a worship song. And really, I realized what I was doing is I was inviting the presence of God and I was honoring the presence of God and I was exalting the, the king of all kings, the, you know, the, the victor of all victors. And then I don't remember how long it went, but then I, I felt like he said, now, now tell the demon to go. And it was like, oh boy, here we go. Let's see if this works. And I just said, and, I, and it wasn't, you know, I, I, don't even, I probably didn't even pray it right, whatever that means. I just said, in Jesus' name, you know, you, you have to go now. And it wasn't like Hollywood. It was just, it just got quiet and peaceful all of a sudden. And this guy sat up, you know, had a beautiful rug burn on his forehead. And, and just, he sort of looked at me, and I looked at him. And, you know, we probably shook hands, and I'm sure we talked a little bit. And then, but I ran into him like two months later, and he said to me, wow, something happened that day. He said, my life has not been the same. And I remember walking away from that conversation and that experience going, that really wasn't that hard. My job was just to stick with Jesus and just to listen and, and, and look and, and, and let him guide me through it. And you know, as we get into this series, my hope for each one of us, and I know we're all at different places. You may be here today, and, and you're not even sure if, if you believe in Jesus, which is awesome. That's, I'm so glad you're here. But I know we have the whole spectrum of people here. But God's plan for each one of us is to invite us to take another step into our understanding of what spiritual warfare is. Uh, uh, and, 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 and just like I started with the introduction, he wants to grow our understanding, grow our awareness, and teach us how to deal with it when we see us. But most importantly, what God wants to solidify in our hearts and in our lives is that it starts, it ends, and everything in between is with him. It's in relationship uh, with him. So why don't we stand up? Okay. Let's just quiet ourselves for a bit. Uh, again, uh, let's just... Pray and ask God, what are you doing right now? What are you doing in the room right now? And my hunch is that as I've been talking, God's been coming close. He's been nudging. He's been giving you pictures and thoughts and uh, maybe for you, maybe for someone else. But let's just uh, pray a little bit. Close our eyes. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you that you are so committed to finishing the work you've started in each one of us. We thank you that you uh, want to make us more and more like Jesus. And I, th I thank you for each one that's here. And I just pray right now that you would come close and be, uh, and be personal with each one. Just come, Lord. Just come, Lord. Thank you for your presence. I pray you'd surprise us this morning with how, <clears throat> with how close you are and with how much you know us and love us. Just bless what you're doing right now. And I, I just hear, I, you know, I just see this picture. Jesus, it's like he's walking around the room and he's going up to some of you and he's saying, you, I've called you. I've called you to do this. And he's really, it's like he is, there's some people today, he's deputizing you. And, and he's just affirming, affirming that call that he wants you to come and join him in this work. So uh, here's what we're gonna do. 
Uh, just here's some things I want to invite people up to respond. Anything that I've said in my talk, if you felt, if you felt like God, uh, uh, you know, sort of put a hook in your heart, I want to invite you to respond. We have time at the end where we just want to bless what God has been doing. Um, if, if you had that sense as we were just quiet that God was calling you, I want to invite you forward for prayer. Um, uh, we just want to bless that. I also feel like there's people that um, there's a lot of fear and uneasiness around spiritual warfare. And maybe it's because you've had bad experiences or you've been, you've, you've, uh, been under bad teaching, inact- wrong teaching about it. And, and I feel like God wants to just lift that fear and assure you that what he has for you, it's, it's a good thing. It's an adventure that he's inviting us into. Um, I feel for some that you would say now that you, you have a sense that you are under attack or your family's under attack. We want to pray for you and pray against that. Um, and Rebecca, you've got, and, I, and I'd also say one thing, just a physical sense. During worship, I, uh, I just had this thought, and actually I could feel it, that there, there's some people today that have stomach issues, whether it's, and I'm, I'm not a, a doctor, <laughs> I only play one on television, but uh, um, that there was like acid reflux or just, a, uh, the sense I had was a burning. There was a burning in your stomach. Is that, would anyone say, that, yeah, that, that's me, that just has stomach issues? Okay, so I see a, a few hands going up. So God's saying he wants, he wants to touch you. So I would like to invite you forward. And then, uh, go ahead for it, Rebecca. Um, yeah, uh, while well, I was out, anyway. Um, during the Civil War, uh, during the battles, and there were, uh, in the battlefields, many of the women, because they weren't fighting, would get together, and they would make up picnic baskets. And they would go out to the battlefields, and they would sit around and watch the fighting. And that's a really odd picture, I know. But the Lord um, isn't asking, uh, isn't wanting to condemn people for sitting around for that, to have their picnic baskets, but he wants you to lay them down. And the way you lay them down is to know who you belong to, that you belong to the Lord, and that you are part of what you are seeing, but you are to play the part that he wants you to play, Hmm. not the part of whatever you're seeing out front, but just to be, uh, to lay down that picnic basket and and do his his work. Hmm. Awesome, thank you, Rebecca. So if that hooks you, we wanna pray for you, because that's God saying, there's something I wanna do in your life. So anything that I said or Rebecca just said, come on up, let's take some time to pray. Uh, Isaiah's gonna lead us in a song, uh, but let's make sure everyone has someone praying for them, guys for guys, gals for gals, but we'll end our time with some prayer. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare your living hope. So we're going to need some prayers, lots of ladies. Let's make sure everyone's getting your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves. Where my heart becomes free And my shame is undone Your presence, Lord Holy Spirit, you are welcome here Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. And your presence. Holy Spirit, you are welcome.
listen, fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord, Lord Jesus. We love your presence. and fill the atmosphere it's your glory God it's what our hearts long for to be overcome in your presence Lord Lord we thank you for your presence and we do ask that we look to you our hope is in you and trust is in you and I pray Lord I pray uh, thank you for all that you're doing right now people get in prayer just all that you're doing in the room right now all the ways that you are coming close and I pray I feel like for some of you that uh, this morning God it's like he's whispered uh, some things to you and 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 I, I just see some people you just keep going on you just keep pushing it aside and I I just pray Lord that uh, whatever you're saying to us, I pray that it, you would just keep saying it all week. Lord, I bless what you're doing. I bless, the, again, the work that you're doing in all of our lives. And I pray as we embark on this series that um, I just, in advance, say thank you for all you're gonna teach us and just how we're gonna grow, how we're gonna grow in our understanding, but, but better than that, we're gonna grow in our relationship with you. Lord, just thanks for... Uh, just your love and your presence here in Jesus' name. Amen.